Sales development continues to grow in importance as a critical component of a successful go-to-market strategy. And with the explosion of new tools, technology, and processes, the sales development industry itself is thriving, as seen with the growth of the 10-bound sales development market map over at 10bound.com. On this podcast, we'll dive deep and go beyond sales development to think about the future of technology, processes, and tools in the industry with our host, noted futurist, author, and sales development practitioner, Justin Michael. Welcome to Beyond Sales Development. Tune in each week and be sure to hit subscribe, leave a comment, and turn on notifications to never miss an episode. And now, Beyond Sales Development with your host, Justin Michael. Welcome back to Beyond Sales Development. I am your intrepid host, Justin Michael, doing my best, William Shatner. This is Beyond Sales Development. We have special guest, Brett Williams, who is the CEO of Leading Linked. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Justin. Glad to be here. Yeah, well, I really enjoy that you have supported the Sales Borgs, which is my mastermind group, my digital dojo. I'd love to hear more about what you're doing in the realm of business development, sales development, your approach, because we have a lot of listeners here trying to crack the funnel. Yeah, absolutely. So we we approach the funnel from a lot of different directions. I'm, you know, we hear about omni-channel outreach a lot and omni-channel outbound. I'm just about omni-channel everything because my question is, why would you leave money on the table? And that's whether you're in a sales development or if you're an early stage founder or whatever, it's, you know, find the places that you can master. And so one of the things that we have seen that makes the biggest difference is making sure that you've got a solid presence to back up the outreach that you're doing. I mean, I'm, I'm one of the few marketers that you'll find that would say the last thing in the world you need to do is to stop outbound outreach efforts. <laughs> and so it's, but to me, the question is, what's the foundation you're building that off of? You know, are you building that off of the foundation that when somebody gets your voicemail or sees your email that they're going to research your company and they're finding nothing? Or are you building it off of a foundation that when they go to research you and your company, that they see a thought leader on LinkedIn, both in your company in your executives and in you as a sales development rep or as an AE or as a founder. And by building that reputation up, and I tell people it's the difference in having a return phone call of what is it that you want <laughs> versus a return phone call of this is somebody who can genuinely help me. And I want to find out what they know. And yeah. I see you do this when you're doing outbound. Uh, you flip the script on the person that's on the phone with you. And they end up asking you, what is it that you do? Yeah, so that's a, an art form unto itself. And I've been practicing some of these methods. My question would be, a lot of reps are looking to brand themselves. They may not be confident to be a writer, to create a brand, to do a website, a blog, you know. Take us through some tips if people are interested in getting into that. Do you think reps should try that? And if they can, how will they have time for it? How do they get approved for that? Like help coach them because I think a lot of them are hearing this drone that they should, but they don't know how to get started. Yeah, I think that the first phase of that is number one, starting with the corporate approach. You know, are you, firstly, is your company offering the support? Now, if they're not, then obviously you've got to kind of pivot and go a different direction. But I encourage any type of B2B company or even any company at all to build content that your reps can then use. 
because if you're building that and you're supporting them in the right way, then you're not adding just one more thing on your plate. Now that's in this utopia that we all know doesn't exist or rarely exists. I'll say that. Now, if, uh, if you're an SDR or an AE and you're just like, okay, I hear that I need to produce content and all of this crap and you, I can't imagine adding one more thing to my plate. Then my question is, do you have three minutes a day? Because yes, we need to write. Yes, we need to do all of these things. But one of the things that I encourage people to start with is flip on Zoom, turn on your camera, make sure you've got a decent setup and talk about one very small piece of your product, your solution, what you're offering from a macro level. Now, I don't, this is not a three minute sales video. It's a three minute adding value video. And there are so many services out there where you can get this transcribed. You can, I mean, you're talking about, I think rev.io is like a dollar a minute to get it transcribed. And then you take that and you put that into a blog format, or you take that and put it into a post, or you take the video and direct post it natively to social and just three minutes a day, or, okay, you say, hey, I don't have three minutes a day. Then my question is, do you have 15 minutes at some point during the week to do all five videos for all five work days and chunk out a 15 minute block, do five, three minute videos, and then drip them into social and have them transcribed. I mean, there are tools out there that you can get for less than a hundred bucks for a year that will do a degree of transcription for you. And so video is the easiest thing. I've heard of people having writer block. I've never heard of anybody having talking block. I love that expression. It's great. So what do you think the future is of sales development? We're getting inundated with all these personalized messages. How do you personalize and make things re relevant? And where's the tech going? What should reps really be doing with their time to generate meetings? I mean, I think the, the future is first and foremost, we're going to see a lot more intent-based outreach. The tech is only getting better and better at monitoring intent activity. And I think that's going to begin to permeate the mid-sized businesses, potentially even getting into the small businesses when it comes to intent. And so I see there kind of be a follow the bouncing ball that we don't even see now when it comes to outreach. Uh, it's not just going to be a, hey, you've got this list of 50 named accounts. It's going to be, you've got this list of 50 named accounts, but there's this intent with these accounts and you're going to be able to prioritize and reach out based on that intent. Obviously, you know, making sure that your messaging is not to the creepy factor, <laughs> but you know, I see more and more automation coming in, but we've got to maintain that human touch. And so there's, it's going to be this, we've got to find this balance of, Hey, yeah, there's personalized messaging, but not the, Hey, I spent 35 minutes on your Facebook. I'm actually advising a company right now that is doing some outreach to educators, which, and it's like elementary and middle school educators, which poses a little bit of a challenge because they're not on LinkedIn. And if, if I tell a business owner, Hey, I saw this on your LinkedIn, they're like, oh, okay, I, I expect them to look at my LinkedIn. But if you send something to an educator and say, Hey, you know, I saw your granddaughter had a birthday last week on your Facebook, it's immediately creepy. And so finding that balance of realizing number one, more and more people have less and less time. So your messaging has to be succinct. But the more you can time that messaging with intent, and that's where I think you have to merge inbound and outbound, it, you multiply your results. And then the response time, I think the response time of inbound traffic, if it decreases, then the effectiveness of reps go through the roof. And I think the more automation that we're seeing, the more opportunity we have for that. 
And so, I mean, I, there's one feature that, that we actually offer our clients, and this is not a plug, it's something that many software providers out there offer, is if somebody engages on a piece of gated content on your site, your sales team gets a phone call in a round robin style that they pick up the phone and a voice or robot machine says, this prospect downloaded this material from this, press any number to call them now. And, you know, we bake in a little delay, so it's not too weird. But by having that there, I mean, we're seeing three times the number of, con of conversions from somebody who engages with a piece of gated content to an appointment set because you're catching them while it's on their mind. And so the more we begin to bake that into the outbound process, the more effective we become. And then I see things like Connect and Sell and Orem and these other assisted dialers. Why not integrate that with inbound? You know, why don't we start making it where the dialer dials them and you've got your sales team there on the phone and the phone rings and they pick up because the dialer dialed them. And the only person that your sales team is getting are the people that are actually picking up the phone. I love this idea. So it's really about personalization, relevance, and timing. And people are trying to figure out how to do this and they're looking for omni-channel approaches. What do you tell people about effectively doing social, like social selling? There's so much buzz around this. We have reps that are using it to live inside LinkedIn all day, just research constantly. Like personalization is the excuse to do research all day. Social selling is the excuse to just like and tweak. They're so, and, and tweet, it's both really valid, but how do you manage your time and use these platforms effectively? You could talk about as an entrepreneur, a small business, we have a lot of SDRs on the phone, but they're trying to figure out like what should be in the LinkedIn message. Like if we get granular, you're really an expert on LinkedIn pages, something that's unused. What are some things that reps can do right now on LinkedIn to immediately improve what's happening for them uh, with their social presence and brand? I think the first thing is to take a look at your profile and ask yourself if somebody's taking a look at your profile from an outreach that you've done or if they're proactively researching it, are they going to look at your profile as a resume that you're looking for more work? Or are they going to look at your profile as a resource that they can actually begin to engage with? And so by doing that, what you're actually positioning yourself with is being that true thought leader and beginning to have those conversations based on somebody looking at your profile. So that's the first place because the profile on LinkedIn is where everybody's going to land. And then the second piece is, are you engaging and interacting? Because if you're engaging and interacting across social as a whole, then you're positioning yourself as a thought leader again. And so when, when it comes to LinkedIn as a whole, the first thing you want to do is you want to make sure that you're not spending all of your time as a rep on LinkedIn, because that's not selling, that's social media scrolling. And so if you move from being that rep in your office that just spends all of your time on LinkedIn versus your strategic about making sure that you've got regular content, making sure that you've got regular engagement and that you've optimized your profile for SEO as well as for, for thought leadership, then you're going to start to see yourself pull out way ahead of the rest of those social sellers, the ones that are just there to, hey, let me research my prospect for three hours and come up with nine different ways of personalization so that I can send an email that just creeps them out. Yeah, I think that's really true. A lot of people are doing a connecting pitch right now and it just doesn't work. What should they do? The problem is there's this cacophony of don't do this or shaming, like showing the email. I think we need more of like, 
hey, here's some that did work last week, or here's some that were close, and here it was. So what would make you respond to an email? Well, the first thing is, are you leading with value and not just cloak and dagger, bait and switch value? First, you want to do enough research. If you're going through the process of connecting with somebody on LinkedIn, the first thing you need to start with before anything else is what are you trying to accomplish? You know, if this is part of like a combo where you've done phone call, voicemail, email, and you're doing a LinkedIn connection, then your goal is to break the ice. Your goal is to initiate some sort of response or contact and responding to a connection request is in fact a response. Okay. So make sure that you know what metrics to actually be measuring. But the second piece of it is look at it from their perspective. What would actually make somebody stop and say, okay, hold on. This is something that's valuable to me. And it is this balance. It's this balanced approach of doing enough research to show that person that you're actually engaging with them on a human level. And it's not just some sort of automated selling thing or connect and pitch, but also realizing that they may or may not immediately see that message. You know, one of the things that I have had conversations with multiple reps about is having realistic expectations of response rates on LinkedIn. While your prospects are there and they're, pro- they're going to see the email that you sent them a message on LinkedIn, not all prospects are going to be catching are going to be checking their LinkedIn messages on a regular enough basis to respond. And even if they do respond or even if they do see it, they may or may not respond, but you're still getting in front of them. And so make sure that you're using it appropriately in that manner. But you're, when you're getting in, in front of them, for God's sake, don't say just touching base or just checking in to see if you got my last message. It's just value. Hey, you know, I heard that, or I saw that you posted this and it made me think of this article, thought this, hope this helps. Because if nothing else, it's going to make someone stop and say, okay, now hold on, who is this person that's just giving me value? Why is it that they're just giving me value? And even if they're not in a current active buying cycle, they are, you're at least keeping yourself top of mind in a value-driven approach. Whereas if you're going with that connect and pitch or you're going with that, I need you to answer, I need you to answer, I need you to answer, then you're constantly appearing needy. And that's the the attitude that they are going to respond to you in is you need me. Whereas if you're just like, hey, I am just here to help you out in any way that I can, then when they come to you, they're coming to you asking for help. And so it comes down to positioning. It makes me think of a book that I have it's called Positioning. I believe it's by a gentleman named uh, Jack Trout, but I'm not 100% sure on that. But it's what's the, the how are you framing yourself? Somebody I, I was talking to the other day said, we give people the frame through which we want them to view us. So when you're reaching out, whether it's email or, or LinkedIn, ask yourself, what's the frame I want them to view me through? And then go to work to, to build that frame because you have that opportunity when it's called outreach they don't know who you are. Those are great tips. So positioning, Al Reese and Jack Trout. I love that stuff from a branding perspective. Let's see other tips and advice. What governs your mindset? I mean, we're in a rejection-laden business. How do you stay upbeat? I always notice you're an upbeat guy. You're always trying to crack new methods for growing your business and uh, you never give up. We always like that. Is there help folks on the phone who are feeling demotivated, burned out in this pandemic? What can they read? What are some of the mindsets? I mean, I always like to try to give them little tidbits rather than bog them down with books, right? But it's cool to know what you're reading, who you're following. You know, we could probably spend the next five or 10 minutes on this subject, but it's definitely interesting. 
Yeah. So the first thing is, it always makes me think of when it comes to mindset, I am not naturally an upbeat, positive person. That's just, I have trained myself to be that way. And it makes me think of an old Zig Ziglar quote. And he said, you are what you are and you are where you are because of what's gone into your mind. You can change what you are. You can change where you are by the process of changing and selecting deliberately what goes into your mind. If you put in the good, the clean, the pure, the powerful, and the positive, that stuff has got to come out. Now, the fact that I can quote that is because I listen to Zig Ziglar a lot. And so one of the things that I process or that I concentrate on is it's an old computer engineering principle. And I know you've heard this before, Justin, of it's called GIGO and it's garbage in, garbage out, or it could be good in, good out. And so I concentrate on a daily basis of making sure that I realize that sales and marketing and outreach and that constant profession of rejection, it's draining me. It's pulling from my resources. So I put together just for me, I put together a specific personal development plan. And it's not about frou-frou, become the best you, whatever stuff. It's about knowing that what's going into my mind is equipping me to go the next day and just keep going. You know, there's that old saying of how do you beat a man that can't quit? Well, you don't or won't quit. You don't. And so for me, it's just a matter of I make sure that I have systems in place to feed myself so that I can just keep going and I can be that man that just won't quit. I love that. You've referenced some great books dealing with rejection and the sting of rejection. We get it a lot on the cold calls and the cold emails. It's demotivating. You just kind of switch gears in your brain. You get onto the next one. How do you get up? Like what's going through your head to process that? I'm breaking this down to fine grains. This experience that SDRs have yep. hundreds of times a day. I think the first step for me was realizing that they weren't rejecting me, that they were rejecting whatever it was that I said. <laughs> and sometimes it is an opportunity to stop and reflect and say, okay, did I say something stupid? <laughs> Do I need to change my script a little bit? But once I've kind of, I've honed in and I have with honestly, with help from you and several other people honed in on what my script is and how I'm kind of approaching these, these calls or outreaches. The next step is realizing that there are two different points. The first one is, do you need to walk away for a minute? You know, was it a real hard punch in the face and it may have gotten you, gotten to you a little bit, which may make your next call ineffective. If that's the case, walk away, take a lap. I have a reset. You know, I have two kids that are toddlers. So sometimes I'll go downstairs and wrestle for five minutes. And that's just enough of a mental break for me to say, okay, I'm good to go now. But the second one is, and this is just something I have to ask myself is, am I being weak? Because the, the reality is if I'm just being weak or weak-minded, then the only way that I get that callous is through repetition. And so if I just, there are some calls that I just get punched in the face. And I'm like, you know, I kind of want to take a lap, but no, I'm just going to make another call. And once you develop that, again, you can't beat a person that won't quit mentality then you begin to position yourself so that every single rejection, it's just another opportunity. I, the, one of the best people in the world that I've ever seen, and, and he's a mutual friend of ours, is Jeffrey Gittimer. And in his book, The Sale Bible, and I think he references it in the Little Red Book of Selling, he said whenever he used to do cold calling, and he didn't do the phone cold calling, he went into offices and did cold calling. When he did cold calling, if a receptionist told him no, he would look at her and say, thank you so much. You know, what I've noticed is I need at least five people to tell me no before I get to a yes. So do you know four other people that would not be interested in this? 
And so it's all about that. What, what's the mindset that you're looking at it? Is the no one, just one more step to a yes, or is the no some sort of personal attack because you're a horrible salesperson? Most likely it's just one more step to a yes. Where else can I go with this? So there's self-development, there's dealing with rejection, there's communication, outbound channels. What about career advancement? Do you have ideas on this? There's a lot of sales development reps that feel like they're just starting out. They want to go from an SDR to full cycle AE. Maybe they want to strike out on their own like you and become an entrepreneur. What are your tips for these folks on the phone that want to advance in their career? And maybe if there's anything specific to these times, because, you know, I know you're being versatile and flexible for the ways you're developing your business. You know, before the pandemic, I feel like it was all focus, focus, focus. But now there's something about versatility. that You're trying to find the money in the market. You're trying to move to this, this shifting quicksand market. I, I, I gave you like three questions there, but I'd love to just hear from you on those themes. You know, one of the things that that has positioned me very well to answer this question is that I have had a lot of versatility in my own career, <laughs> some of it forced, some of it willing, but I have been very fortunate because I, I had a mindset of I create opportunities um, and that's how I approached everything. I mean, I, I do not have a college degree. Um, I am high school educated and figured out pretty quick that college was not the thing for me. And even though I did that, I spent a good portion of my, per, of my professional career doing network engineering for major telecommunications companies. And that's one of the reasons that I developed the systems in my, in my mind. And one of the things that I had a, had a very early mentor teach me was that your limitations of your career only exist in your mind. And if you are approaching job interviews or the opportunity for advancement of, well, I can only be where I am because I'm just starting out, or I can only go this far because I'm missing X qualification, the better you train your mind to realize that whatever qualification, wherever you're at, it's just a starting point. And it doesn't matter what you think is between you and that next step if you just attack it relentlessly. And when you realize that the only difference between if you're an SDR between you and a full cycle AE, or really the only difference between you and a VP of sales is a little bit of experience and a whole lot of hustle. And if you're willing to put the time in to gain the experience and look at every opportunity, if you get an opportunity to get punched in the face with something that's going to push you out of your comfort zone, and you really want to advance your career and you don't take it, then you don't really want to advance your career because every opportunity you have for growth in any facet is going to prepare you for something that's going to come down the line that you don't, you, you may not even know. I can tell you whenever I left college because I thought it was, <laughs> and I decided to go into retail sales and a number of different things, you would have never been able to convince me that I would have ended up in engineering or then in marketing from engineering. But because I was consistently had a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, and that there's a number of books on that that you could reference, I just refused to allow anything that was in front of me be an actual obstacle. I saw it as an opportunity to grow, become better, and take on my next challenge. And when, you're, when you approach your career with that, people can't turn you down. They don't have an option because they know if they turn you down today that you're just going to be back in their face tomorrow coming right back at it again. And that's why sales is the perfect proving ground for this, because you learn in sales that no doesn't necessarily mean no. Most of the time, it means not right now. I want to close with just maybe a, a quote or two or any subjects that you want to cover off on. <laughs> so 
the two quotes that I, I legitimately try to live my life by, um, and that's how big these quotes are to me, is first and foremost, Zig Ziglar, in case you haven't picked up on the fact that I really like him, um, you can have everything in life you've ever wanted if you just help enough other people get what they want. And that's the first one. And then the second one is John Wooden. And there is a choice you have to make in everything you do. Just keep in mind that in the end, the choice you make makes you. It's been an awesome episode, Brad. I really appreciate all the shares. Thanks for being on Beyond Sales Development. Thanks for supporting my group. Where can people find you on the internet and, uh, you know, point them out your, point them out your pages, man, so they can support you. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, obviously you can look me up on LinkedIn. It's just Brett Williams on LinkedIn, founder and CEO of Leading Link. We are actually, we just recently launched a uh, LinkedIn live show and podcast called Leading to Sales, where we talk about everything, leadership, sales, and marketing. And then that is live on LinkedIn and we'll be on the podcast platform soon. And then you can always check out our website, leadinglink.com. There are some free resources there when you're talking about building your LinkedIn brand. They're geared towards companies, but you know what? If you're an SDR and you're working to build your personal brand, you just take them, make a few tweaks and apply them and and you'll have a, a really good foundation to build off of. Awesome. Thanks, Brett. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks.